Good morning, everyone, and welcome to everybody that's here in person, and to those of you online, would you write something in the comments so that we know uh, who is worshiping with us? I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Sam has a blog now. How cool is that? The best Bible study in the world and a blog, can you believe it? So, um, now, uh, we do have, for those of you watching online, Harriet Murray is in the worship service, and I've heard her Bible study is actually the best in the world. So, Pastor Sam, you might have to, you're number two. Uh, but he has a, a blog now you can read during the season of Lent. has 40 questions from the book of Genesis. We have journey Zoom groups that are amazing. And this is the best announcement I have of the day. Um, Catherine Barnes is here, and the children's ministry is having family cupcake wars in the gym. Uh, it's going to be spread out. Each family has their own table, but they're going to be decorating cupcakes just like they do on the Food Network. It's going to be great. But So this party sounded so great for children and families. Guess what? The youth are going now, too. So the youth are crashing the party, and uh, apparently the whole praise band, because I just invited them. So it's going to be great. Um, and then also, March 28th, and I know that's a ways away, um, but for Palm Sunday, we will not be here in the sanctuary. We are going to be outside at the amphitheater, so invite your friends. It is going to be an awesome time. Uh, people will feel great. They can be outside, spread out. It's a big place. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful for this beautiful morning. Uh, right now, we pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That we will rise again For I believe 
everybody. I'm glad to see you here and I'm glad to know that I'm worshiping with you wherever you are. If you're joining us live stream, as Pastor Andy said before, say something in the comments. Let us know that you're there and I don't know, wave at us. Uh, we are, we're proud to be worshiping with you today. I want to remind you that we are praying for you. We want to know your prayer requests. If you'll send those to us, then we will give them to our prayer team and we will remember your needs and prayers. If you have an answer to prayer, this is what we love to hear. We love to hear about God sightings and, and answers to prayer. So let us know if, if uh, God's doing something special in your life. Last Wednesday, we started the journey of Lent with Ash Wednesday and, and with marking the beginning of that journey. This is the first Sunday of Lent. I want you to go on that journey with us as we trace Jesus' steps leading up to the cross and to the empty grave and to Easter. So uh, this is going to be a, a great time of reflection and repentance for us. And um, it's a time to remember, it's a time to reflect, and it's a time to, to give. So remember your church as you give your tithes and offerings. Uh, remember your community and your church as you give in your service. Um, let's go now to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for all of the ways that you bless us. Thank you for giving us this moment. We don't have 10 years from now, and we don't have 10 years ago, but we have today. It's a gift. So we thank you, and we want to give as freely as you have given to us. In Jesus' name. Oh, and I almost forgot. Um, Catherine is going to take our children to Children's Church now. How could I forget that? I, I, they're excited about it, I can tell. Yeah. I hope you're excited about worship today, too. Without 
Thank you, Praise Band. And I don't know about y'all, but some days I really, really feel that song more than others. Uh, and, and just about, I, just about every, every hour, I think about the old song, I need thee every hour, not just every day. So today we're looking at Mark, the first chapter, 
uh, verses 9 through 15, if you want to follow along as we read today. The first Sunday of Lent. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I was talking with one of my minister friends, and he had just moved to a new church. And he, the church he moved to was a, a very large church, and he was part of the staff of that church. He wasn't the senior pastor. He's part of the staff, had a large staff. And after he'd been there long enough to kind of get the lay of the land, I asked him one day, I said, what's it like working with your senior pastor? And he was quiet for a minute, and he thought, and he said, well, it's like this. It's like he shoots an arrow, and then he goes to find where the arrow lands, and then he draws a target around it. And I thought, yikes. Uh, and honestly, I can kind of relate, because I've worked with some people like that before. And if I'm even more honest, I've been like that myself before. You know the old uh, ready, shoot, aim? Uh, I don't, have you ever done that? You know, can you identify? Have you ever, I don't know, shot off your mouth and then wish you hadn't done that? Or um, last week we talked about the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Transfiguration Sunday, and we talked about Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and right before their eyes, Jesus talked with Moses and Elijah, and then he was just glowing with the glory of God and and the Apostle Peter didn't know what to say but he said something anyway um, and can you identify with that God bless the Apostle Peter he's just like us he didn't know what to say but he said something anyway so maybe you've been like that or maybe you've done something and you wish that you had thought it out more before you did that um, I think we've all been there I don't know, impulse spending, anybody, you know, eBay, QVC, anybody, anybody do that? Mindless, mindless snacking, um, internet browsing just for hours, all of a sudden it's 11 or 12 o'clock and you think, why have I been watching TikTok videos for an hour or, or you know, I don't know if you ever done that, just shot without aiming. Well, one of the things that I love about the Gospel of Mark, we're kind of looking at the Gospel of Mark, and all of the different Gospels tell the story of Jesus a little bit different way. But one of the things I really kind of appreciate about Mark is he just gets straight to the point, and it, he highlights the intense focus that Jesus has, the intense focus on, on his, 
his identity, knowing who he is, and then his intentional preparation, and then, and then his purpose, his setting his face toward the purpose that he has. Or no, another way to put it would be ready, aim, and then fire. So that's kind of what I want us to think about today. First, the ready part. Jesus started from a position of knowing who he was. When the time was right, Jesus came to John to be baptized in the Jordan. And then after he was baptized, the scripture says that heavens were torn apart and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove and a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son, the beloved, and with you, I am well pleased. Consider, considering what Jesus was about to face, how important was it that he faced that knowing who he was and having that affirmed by the Heavenly Father? Okay, so let's bring this home for us. Knowing what we face today, how important is it for us to know that we are God's beloved? That God loves us so much. You do know that, don't you? You do know that you are God's beloved, created in God's image. Somebody has said it this way. I think it's kind of cool, but if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. You are God's beloved. My all-time favorite preacher was my preaching professor in seminary, Dr. Fred Craddock. He was a wonderful storyteller uh, along with um, everything else. And one of my favorite stories that he would tell would be about a time when he and his wife had a rare chance to get away to the mountains. And they went to Gatlinburg. And uh, they had a little cabin by, by a mountain stream. Doesn't that sound nice? And uh, the first night, they went to their favorite restaurant. It wasn't one of those big chain restaurants. It was a little restaurant, a local restaurant. And they sat down for dinner, and Dr. Credit says he could feel the tension starting to unwind, you know. And then about that time, an old man came in the front door, and he was like what you would picture in your mind of being a mountain man. He, he, was, he had a, a beard, and he had overalls on, and he just looked every bit of the East Tennessee mountain man. And he seemed to know everybody in the whole place. He knew all the employees, all he, the hostess, all the cook. He, he greeted every one of them by name. And then he started coming around to each table in that small restaurant and talking with the people there. And Dr. Credit said he just couldn't help himself. He kept thinking, I hope he doesn't come over here. I hope he doesn't come over here. We came here to get away from people. I hope he doesn't come over here. Sure enough, though, the man made his way to Dr. Credit's table. And he said, hey there, where are you all from? And Dr. Credit said, well, we're from Atlanta. And he said, well, is that so? Well, what do you do down there in Atlanta? And Dr. Craddock said, I'm a professor of homiletics. 
thinking that that would put him off. You know what I mean? It usually does. Um, But the old man said, well, I'll be. You teach preachers how to preach. So not only did he know what a homilex professor was, then he surprised them by getting a chair and dragging it up to their table and sitting down and saying, I've got a preacher story I've just got to tell you. And then he starts telling them this him like the story of his life he said I was born and raised here right here in East Tennessee in the mountains but I never knew who my father was and my mother gave me her name because she didn't want me to I don't know hold a grudge against my father and in those days, a child being born out of wedlock just carried this stigma with it. And I always felt ashamed and I always felt bad about myself. And growing up, my classmates would call me names. They, I, they, they would call me, excuse my language here, but they would call me that bastard boy. And I always felt awful about myself. I used to go into town the old man went on. I used to go into town on Saturdays to go to the store for my mother, but I always felt like people were staring at me, and I always felt like they were whispering about me behind my back. My mama quit going to church once I was born because she didn't feel welcome. But the old man said, my grandmother, though, took me to the little Methodist church from the time I was a kid we went every Sunday, and here's how we would go. We would come in the back door uh, right, as the, right as the service was beginning, and we'd sit on the back pew, and then when the preacher was giving the benediction, we'd sneak out the back door as quick as we could because we didn't want to talk to anybody, really. And we went, went along that way for, for years, And I would listen to the preacher, but I just didn't like him very much because he was kind of scary to me growing up. He he was big, and he had a booming voice, and he had these really thick eyebrows that would jump up and down when he preached. And he was always pointing his finger, and I always felt like he was pointing his finger right at me. So I was kind of scared of him the whole time we were going. Well, one Sunday, as we started to leave, the usher stopped us and said, y'all can't go out the, that door because it's been sleeting while uh, service has been going on, and the, and the steps are just covered with ice. You're going to have to go out the other door. And so he said, for the first time, for the first time, I found myself in a line, and I was going to have to walk right by that preacher and I was nervous. I kept wringing my hands, and I was so nervous, and I, I, I decided I was going to try to sneak by him. So I was trying to skirt by that preacher, and then all of a sudden I felt this giant hand on my shoulder. And he looked me right in the face, and with his booming voice, he said, Boy, who's your daddy? And he said, I've been dreading that question, dreading that question my whole life. And he said, my mouth was dry and my hands were sweaty. And I was about to start crying. 
And then the preacher said, oh, now I see the resemblance. You're a child of God. Now go claim your inheritance. And then Dr. Credick says that the old man smiled at them and said, well, that's my preacher story. I hope you all enjoy your dinner. And he got up, and without another word, he went and started greeting the other tables in the restaurant. Well, that kind of left the credits speechless, and they didn't really know what to say after that. And after dinner, they were paying their check, and so he asked the hostess, who was that old man that was in here earlier? And she smiled and said, oh, him? Oh, well, that was Ben Hooper. And they walked out of the restaurant, and Dr. Credit said, Ben Hooper, Ben Hooper, how do I know that name? And then he remembered his dad telling him the story of a poor fatherless boy who grew up in the mountains of East Tennessee, a boy that would go on to college and become an attorney and would later on be elected and serve two terms as governor of Tennessee. That boy was Ben Hooper. Ben Hooper, child of God. I hope that you know beyond any doubt at all that you are a beloved child of God. And I am too. We're part of his family. And remembering that identity can help us Face whatever is in front of us. Really, whatever. So that's ready. Now, aim. Jesus intentionally prepared after he was baptized, after his identity was affirmed by a heavenly father. In verse 12, it says that the spirit immediately led him, drove him out into the wilderness. Now, Mark's gospel doesn't give us all the details that Matthew and Luke's gospels do. It just gives us the facts, right? Here are the essential elements of the story. The wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. So, I don't know if you've ever wondered, why, why the wilderness? Why the desert? Why was that part of the preparation? Why 40 days? I think we readers of that story are meant to think about Israel's 40 years in the wilderness and their time of preparation. See, in the wilderness, in the desert, everything is, is kind of stripped away. Everything is stripped away, and, and you have to make a decision. Are, are you going to depend on God? Because that's what you have to do. And you see, Israel failed the test. Remember their 40 years wandering in the wilderness? They, they made a golden calf and worshipped that instead of worshipping God. They complained and they grumbled because they didn't have any food. And then when God provided the manna for their food, they complained about the menu, right? And then... I don't know, they just had an overall lack of trust. This God who had brought them out, of, miraculously brought them out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. They just didn't trust God's provision. 
And so while Israel failed the test in the wilderness miserably, so much so that they were there for 40 years and the whole generation had to die before they could go into the promised land, while they failed, Jesus won the victory in the wilderness. He refused to let his physical hungers rule him. He refused to worship anything but God. He refused, he refused to take a shortcut. He refused to circumvent God's timing. And he trusted God completely. completely. And the wilderness was where that happened. When everything is just stripped away and God was all that you have. Corey Ten Boom, uh, I don't know if you've ever read any of her um, writings or know anything about her story. Uh, her, her marvelous book, The Hiding Place, if you haven't read it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It tells a story about her family. She um, was a, a Dutch woman who, as a little girl during World War II, her dad was a watchmaker. And their family would hide the Jews from the Nazis. That's where the book, The Hiding Place, comes from. They would hide Jews from the Nazis. Um, and they were eventually found out. And she and her family were sent to a concentration camp. Um, highly recommend her writings. Her, her faith and her story are just powerful. There's a quote, though, that, that just stands out in my mind from Corrie ten Boom. And she says this, you may never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. I'll say that again because it bears repeating. You may never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. That's what the wilderness does. That's what journeying through the wilderness in Lent is supposed to do is supposed to aim us to prepare us you see a time to walk with Jesus a time to to know we're God's beloved children a time apart from other things that might distract us that might consume us and worry us and we find that when God is all that we have that God is all that we need and understanding that will fix our aim you see, uh, thinking about a bow and arrow, right? Um, if your aim is off, you're not going to hit your target, obviously. And adjusting our aim, adjusting the trajectory of our life, is sort of what repentance is all about. The word used most often in the New Testament for sin is uh, the Greek word hamartia, and it means, it's an archery term. It means to miss the mark. So how often, if you've ever shot a bow and an arrow, you know what I'm talking about, if your aim is off. How often in our lives do we have to adjust our aim to change our trajectory, to repent? Very often. Very often, because we're prone to miss the mark. We're prone to fall short of the target. The ongoing work of sanctification is the Holy Spirit in our lives helping us to adjust our aim when it's off.
ready, aim, and then fire. Jesus set his face to accomplish the purpose that the Father had sent him to do. The fire that he brought was the message of God. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent now and believe in the good news. What is the good news? The kingdom is near to you. It's right in front of you. If you were waiting for a sign, here it is. Right in front of your face. Repent. Change your mind. And then change your aim. If you're headed in the wrong direction... What are you waiting on? Turn in the other direction. Turn toward God. Rick Barnett was a, a, a coach and teacher and friend that I worked with at Grissom High School for several years. And he used to tell me stories about growing up on Sand Mountain. He grew up in the country up on Sand Mountain. I grew up in the country in another part of the state. So we identified in a lot of ways but while he was growing up on Sand Mountain, he was one of those kind of rebellious boys. And his dad used to always take him to the woodshed. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say take him to the woodshed? Now, I'm not just using it as a euphemism. I, he literally had a woodshed. And that was literally where Papa Barnett would take him. And he said his dad would always say the same thing to him as they were on the way to the woodshed. He would say, boy, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And those words stuck over time. And they still stick in my brain today. And I say them to myself sometimes. It's like, oh, if I don't like what I'm getting, I need to not keep doing what I'm doing. That's really good news, isn't it? If you think about it, repent. Sounds kind of scary, but it's really good news because Jesus won the victory in the wilderness. And that means we can change directions, you know. We don't have to keep doing what we're doing and getting what we're getting. What I want us to do together is to make the most of this season of Lent. To make it a, a time to get ready. A time to be quiet and still before God enough to listen. To make Lent a time of reflection and seeing if there's not something in our lives that needs to be re-aimed. If a trajectory is going to get us where we really want to go. If, if we need to, spiritually speaking, take out the trash. Lent is a time to ready and then aim and then fire. To just get busy doing what God made us to do as God opens the way. Let's pray. Lord, what an awesome joy and responsibility it is as we trace your steps. We know that we begin on the firm foundation that we 
are loved by you. We're your beloved children that nothing we could do to, would make you love us more and nothing we could do would make you love us less. You created us in your image and you love us. So armed with that affirmation, we go through whatever preparation time that you need us, whatever crucible you have for us, Lord. Armed with that, we prepare ourselves. If we need to adjust our aim, Lord, show us. We'll repent. And then help us to get busy. Help us to get busy doing what you made us to do all along. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm so confused I know I heard you loud and clear So I followed through Somehow I ended up here I don't want to think I may never understand That my broken heart is a part of your plan when I try to pray, all I got is hurt and knees for words. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And I know you're good, but this don't feel good right now, and I know you think of things I could never think about. It's hard to count it all joy, distracted by the noise, just trying to make sense of all your promises. Sometimes I gotta stop, remember that you're God and I am
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all now and forever. Amen.